There's something that's been bothering me lately, and I suspect maybe you've seen it too. In our attempts to make it easier for people to talk about mental health, we have manipulated what it looks like to struggle with your mental health a little bit. And specifically, most of the content that I see, especially put out there on social media, really seems to be focused on milder forms of things like depression and anxiety. The descriptions I see of what it's like to struggle with these things, how it affects a person's life, what it looks like, compared to the people that I work with and compared to some of the experiences I've had, seem like a major downplay to the point of invalidation, in my opinion. I get what these people are going for. This is a hard thing to talk about. It's a heavy topic. It's a serious topic. I understand the desire to lighten it up a little bit with humor and pretty colors and just a general kind of whimsical quirkiness, but I think it does people a disservice because that is not what this is like for many, maybe even most people who struggle with things, especially things like depression and anxiety. They are not personality quirks. They are not traits. They are not things that make your life a little sillier sometimes. They are chronic illnesses. And I want to make sure that people understand just how debilitating they can be. I know that's a little depressing to think about, but it's also accurate. And something that a lot of people do not understand is that depression and anxiety can be so severe that they can make you physically sick in ways that long-term start to affect your physical health or may even result in hospitalization or need for medical care. Depression and anxiety don't directly cause physical illness, but the changes that they force in your life, the symptoms of depression and anxiety that change how you function can absolutely make you physically ill. Let's start with sleep because both depression and anxiety can have tremendously disruptive impacts on your sleep, which has a lot of health implications. Insomnia, hypersomnia, Interrupted sleep, these are all symptoms of depression and anxiety. With insomnia, it might take you hours to fall asleep. Some nights you might not sleep at all. Uh, maybe you get two or three hours, maybe four or five if you're really lucky, but the amount of sleep you get compared to what you need shrinks substantially. Hypersomnia is the opposite of insomnia. It's when we can't stop sleeping, basically. So when someone has hypersomnia, they suddenly sleep several hours more than what they're used to. And this isn't necessarily like an avoidance, I don't want to adult today kind of sleep. This is like a, I can't wake up. I have no energy. My brain is not ready to function or perform yet kind of sleep. And also there's often a lot of naps during the day, which of course can be really disruptive to your schedule. Interrupted sleep is a special kind of torture. Honestly, I don't know how else to describe it. But waking up every 30 minutes, every 45 minutes, every hour, and being up for another 30, 45, 60 minutes, it's hard to explain what that feels like if you haven't experienced it. I mean, it, it literally is like sleep deprivation, letting people fall asleep and then waking them up after a short period of time before they can complete a sleep cycle. That's actually a way that they torture people. Like it is, I'm not kidding. And that is something that depression and anxiety can do to us for no apparent reason. You just wake up constantly. Why? Don't know. What happened? Nothing. 
just awake now. And those variable rotating sleep schedules or problems with sleep can cause a whole host of health problems in our lives. So everyone knows what it's like to have a rough night of sleep, right? You know how you feel the next day. You know you're not on your A game, your brain's not working well, you're tired, your body maybe feels a little achy or sore or just exhausted. But having a few nights like that, well rough, don't get me wrong, is not the same as having the type of chronic sleep problems that depression and anxiety cause. They change your body. They change how your body functions. They make it so that your heart does not work as well. Your blood does not move as efficiently through your body. That's one of the side effects of chronic exhaustion, of chronic lack of sleep. Your blood vessels do not carry blood as well. When you are chronically exhausted, when you have not had a good night's sleep in quite some time, your heart does not pump blood through your blood vessels as well. It does not work the way it's supposed to work. And that causes a whole host of other problems. That means all of your organs, including your brain, by the way, which is an organ, do not have as much blood flow as they need to for optimal functioning. That means your digestion can get messed up because your metabolism relies on blood flow to work right. That means that you can have constant brain fog, dizziness, fatigue, exhaustion. It means that breathing can be hard. Everything in your body, every physical function you have, nearly everyone anyway, relies on blood flow. And if your blood flow is not what it's supposed to be because your body cannot rest at night in a way that keeps your organs functioning and optimal, everything just feels awful all the time. It's like your entire system, your entire physical functioning system is just off. You know, hard to define, but really, really unpleasant way. When you sleep, that's also when your body repairs any tissue and muscle damage that has taken place, which even if you're not doing anything crazy, even if you're not on some super intense workout plan or like going and doing a bunch of extreme stuff every day, you accumulate tissue and muscle damage every day just from existing and doing things. Walking creates tissue and muscle damage. Picking things up, like driving, basic physical activities over time break down our body to some degree. And for most people, that's not necessarily a huge deal because at night they sleep, they rest, and their body repairs that damage. And it lets them continue to function physically in this sustainable way. When our sleep is screwed up because of depression and anxiety, our bodies don't repair that damage as well. And the result is we never feel fully restored from the wear and tear that our bodies are taking every day just from being alive and doing stuff. Even if, even if you're like me and your job is sedentary, your body is working all day long and your body needs to be able to repair itself at night. And when you're not getting enough sleep or when you're waking up constantly, and it's like this, like, for weeks or months or years even, you have that much time, however long you've struggled with your sleep, you have that much time worth of damage in your body that hasn't been able to be fully repaired yet. 
I don't think people really understand what that's like unless they've experienced it. You never feel right. Even when you're not sick, even when there's no identifiable, expressible, like I'm vomiting or I have a whatever, you always feel sick because your body just feels like it's getting a little bit worse, a little bit more worn down, a little bit more injured every single day in a way that's different from just normal aging. Another thing that rest does for us is it restores and strengthens our body's ability to fight off germs and sicknesses and infections. So in addition to all these symptoms we've discussed so far that make you feel sick even when you aren't sick, not getting enough sleep or having your sleep cycle disrupted constantly also makes it more likely that you will actually get sick from something else in addition to all this other stuff you're dealing with. Our bodies don't handle, you're, you're constantly surrounded by germs and sick people, right? I mean, most of us are, I guess it depends a little bit on what your lifestyle is. Most of us probably are exposed to germs and sick people every single day to some extent. It's almost impossible to avoid that, right? I mean, not trying to worsen anybody's phobias here or anxiety, but you go to the grocery store, there's germs just floating around everywhere and on everything. And I'm not even a germaphobe, like I don't, that's not even my thing. I have other things, but that's not one of them. They're everywhere, right? And normally when our bodies get what they need as far as rest and nutrition, our bodies can fight that stuff off. Our bodies can defend us from that constant assault and keep us healthy and keep us functioning. But your body needs sleep to be able to do that. So when your sleep is screwed up because of depression and anxiety, all these things that we're constantly surrounded by, they get in more. They affect us more. They hurt us more. And we aren't as able to defend themselves from that as we usually are. So we actually literally get sick more when we've been struggling with chronic depression or chronic anxiety because the messed up sleep impairs our ability to not get sick. And of course, something else that can be negatively impacted by depression and anxiety is your appetite. And just like with sleep, that one can be all over the place. Some days we can barely eat at all. Some days it's, it's like a battle to even get any food in us, right? Other days we feel so empty, so hollow, so desperate for any pleasant positive experience that we eat nonstop because it's maybe one of the only things that makes us feel good. Or it doesn't feel good, but we know it's supposed to feel good, so we keep doing it, hoping that if we do it enough, at some point, one of those signals is gonna to get to our brain and we're actually gonna feel okay, or at least feel something. When your appetite is disrupted, it also significantly, significantly negatively impacts your physical health. And again, I know everybody watching this, everybody listening to this, you know what it's like to be hungry. You know that feeling. Do you know what it's like to be chronically malnourished and to have such a disruption in your metabolic system or in your hunger cues that even though you are sick because you're not eating properly, you still can't make yourself eat properly? Because that's the reality for a lot of people living with chronic depression and anxiety. I know people who have gotten so malnourished from depression and anxiety that their hair starts to fall out. Their bodies don't even have enough nutrients to sustain their hair. That's a real thing. Sometimes that lack of blood flow, which can also be caused by malnourishment, causes our skin to get pale and sickly looking, 
our bones get more brittle, if this is a long period of time, our, it affects our bones. Depression and anxiety can affect your bones. Like really let that sink in. I don't think a lot of people get how bad this can be. The chronic malnourishment that can be caused from long-term disruption in appetite can cause your bones to become more brittle and fracture more easily. The core, the foundation of your body weakens when you are not able to nourish it properly because the systems inside of you that tell you when to eat and how much to eat and what to eat are not working correctly. Your organs, your bones, your most basic building blocks of your physical health can all be negatively impacted by your mental health. We also can lose strength and muscle tone when we're malnourished, when we aren't able to properly sustain all of the systems inside of us with food, which they all need to work properly. Our bodies get physically weaker and everything we want to do becomes more taxing. Life gets grueling. Even just basic stuff, getting up off the couch, getting out of bed, doing dishes, doing laundry, going to the grocery store. Like I'm not even talking about working out or doing manual labor or renovating your house. I'm talking basic fundamental aspects of your daily life. Your body feels so weak because of this malnourishment, because your appetite is disrupted by your mental health, that you can barely do normal things. If it lasts long enough and it's severe enough, this is absolutely a real thing that can happen to people. It can also make you so shaky that the, the shakiness can disrupt your life. Like it can disrupt your ability to drive or to write. I had a therapy client one time who was so shaky all the time from anxiety and from malnourishment that someone informally diagnosed her with Parkinson's once and she had to go get tested for Parkinson's because she thought she actually had it and all her tests came back negative. It was anxiety. She was so anxious that constantly she would shake like a person who had Parkinson's. That's how bad this can be. And for many people, there's just this constant nausea. Not like it can, it can come and go in waves, but for some people, it's just always there. Some people chronically experience nausea as a symptom of depression and anxiety. And obviously that makes us not want to eat or be physically active or do anything to take care of our bodies. And sometimes when we try, that nausea gets so much worse that we actually vomit. So yes, you can be so depressed or so anxious that it makes you puke. I'm not kidding, that's a real thing, and I guarantee it's happened to some of you watching this. We get dizzy, we get disoriented, we trip over our own feet, we walk into walls, we walk into door frames. Our physical sense of where we are and our shape and our size and our location, that doesn't work as well either because that's actually a brain function. And when you're exhausted and when you're malnourished, those higher level parts of your brain that do these important but ultimately optional things compared to like keeping your heart beating for example they don't work as well we get clumsy we get awkward and just walking around and moving in the world getting from point a to point b something most people don't even like literally don't think about for most people that's a subconscious process it starts to become a conscious process because it takes so much physical effort for us to move our bodies 
that we have to use willpower to override the exhaustion we feel. Our temperature regulation is all over the place. We get hot flashes one moment, chills the next, and it doesn't matter what the actual temperature is. There's no temperature that can make you comfortable all the time when you start to experience this inner temperature dysregulation. And good luck getting dressed in the morning because every single outfit you could, you could pick might feel too hot one moment and too cold the next. It's like someone's constantly just like turning the dial in your inner temperature gauge and it wreaks havoc on your ability to self-regulate or feel comfortable in the world. And then there's the fatigue. And the fatigue that we get with depression and anxiety is different than I'm tired fatigue. It doesn't really matter how much you sleep. It doesn't matter how much caffeine you ingest. It doesn't matter how active you are. Maybe it matters a little, but it's not going to be able to erase this fatigue the way that a person who is just tired can do, right? Like, I have one bad night, okay, I can have a coffee, I can go for a quick run in the morning, you know, I can catch up on sleep the next day, I'll be fine. The fatigue that comes with depression and anxiety isn't because of lack of sleep. We probably are struggling with our sleep and that probably makes it worse, but even if you're sleeping fine, there is this deeper sense of exhaustion within you that no amount of sleep can fix. It's like you're tired in your soul, you're tired in your bones. Because when every basic action that you can take is a battle, and it's something you have to think about and fight for the ability to do, everything in life just becomes exhausting. The most basic things, feeding yourself, dressing yourself, brushing your teeth, picking up the phone, these can become grueling wars of attrition for someone who is dealing with severe depression and anxiety. So yeah, we're tired all the time because everything we do, just basic existence, is exhausting. Then we get the psychomotor symptoms that can come with depression and anxiety. Sometimes our bodies feel like they have doubled in weight or like the gravity of the planet we live on has changed dramatically. And literally everything just takes more effort. It kind of feels like, if you ever done like water aerobics, where suddenly there's resistance to all these really simple acts like walking or moving your arms up and down, that's kind of what the psychomotor depression feels like. It's like everything you do, you're doing it in water. Everything has more resistance. Everything has more weight. Everything is that much harder. And it's not just in your body, it's in your brain too. You know how when you're sick, when you have the flu or something like that, it's hard to think. Like your, your, your brain feels different, right? Getting from the start of an idea to the end of an idea suddenly kind of feels like a marathon rather than just a normal thing. Depression can make you feel like that all the time. So can anxiety, or at least all the time that you're experiencing them. And then sometimes we get the opposite. Sometimes we get that psychomotor agitation where our energy is up and it's not in like a pleasant, motivated, happy kind of way though. It's in like a everything's wrong and I need to fix everything in my whole life kind of way. Like I'm, I, I don't like anything. I'm not satisfied with anything. I want to change all of it. But then we get overwhelmed so we can't actually initiate the tasks. So it's this unpleasant increase in energy 
that we often struggle to find an outlet for and it just sits trapped inside of us and it's incredibly awkward and uncomfortable and it kind of makes you feel like you want to like physically exit your body because it's so unpleasant to exist within it. <laughs> and lastly, of course, the somatic symptoms of anxiety in particular, racing heart, shortness of breath, sweating, shaking, chills, dizziness, derealization, depersonalization. It is possible, not even terribly uncommon, to get so anxious that you feel like you're dying. People go to the ER for anxiety. People think they're having heart attacks when they have panic attacks. That's how bad this can get. Now lastly, just so this is not a total doom and gloom episode, I want to briefly touch on some treatment options if anything I described today hits home for you. If you are not in therapy, if you are not working with a provider to find effective medications for these symptoms, please try it. I know you may have tried it before, please try it again because these treatments can work. It can take a while to find the right therapist. It can take a while to find the right medication, but these are treatable conditions. And there is no reason that you should be voluntarily suffering with them without doing everything in your power to try to help yourself and letting other people help you. Because that's what we went to school for. We want to help you with this. This is our passion. This is our life's work. Let us try to help you. We want to. There's a couple specific things I want to address too, as far as dealing with the physical health symptoms of depression and anxiety. There's something called CBTI, or Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia, or a subset of that is Sleep Restriction Therapy. There are specific therapy protocols that are researched, that are documented, that are very, very well outlined, that help people with insomnia. So if insomnia, or disrupted sleep in general, is a core part of what you struggle with, look for a provider who does CBTI. They will have a really good skill set to help you. As far as food goes, I know that a lot of people encourage you to practice intuitive eating. You know, eat when you're hungry, don't eat if you're not hungry. That works if you already have like good eating routines established. If you don't, or if you did at one point, but they've been disrupted by your mental health, your hunger cues don't work anymore, just like your sleep cues don't work if you have insomnia. So you can't rely on your body to tell you when it's hungry. If that's the case, try eating by the clock. Set three alarms on your phone for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, whatever times of day those may be for you, and just try to eat something at each of those three times. It doesn't have to be a full meal, at least not right away but just try to get something in you. Lastly, I know that if you're experiencing any of what I just talked about, this feels like the last thing on earth you'd wanna do. But I would not be doing my job if I didn't put this out there. Regular physical activity can be so regulating for your sleep cues, for your hunger cues, for your organ functioning, for your blood flow, for your oxygen, for almost every aspect of your physical health. If you can get some amount of regular physical activity in, it can make a world of difference. It does not have to be some crazy intense workout. Like just anything that uses your body can help reverse some of these changes and keep you feeling somewhat physically functional even in the midst of severe depression and anxiety. Please try to get that in as much as you can, as often as you can, within reason. 
I sincerely hope that this content was helpful for you today, and I hope to see you again next time. Take care.